Here's a special Thanksgiving hymn come, 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 come. from Comedy Central. We gather together to watch cheesy movies at Comedy Central on Thanksgiving Day at Mystery Science Theory Thousand. It's 30 straight hours and it's called Turkey Day. Catch Turkey Day all day Thanksgiving here. Central. Hey, how come he doesn't have the same? He's in the union. Adventure Super Train, episode 117. Hey, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm your host. Forgive me. Uh, throughout this episode, through some of the segments out of The Clash or Bruce Springsteen or something playing in the background, it's holiday time. It's Thanksgiving time. You just heard the um, the little uh, song there, and that was from the 1991 MST3K Mr. Science Theater 3000 Turkey Day. First Turkey Day Marathon, 30 hours, 1991. This is I'm, I, We're releasing this uh, right, right at Thanksgiving 2021, 30 years before this. Um, when I was but a lad, <laughs> oh, but. Uh, Turkey Day uh, aired. It was 30 hours. It began midnight on Thanksgiving and went to 6 a.m. on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. And and in, in subsequent years, they would begin at like 6 in the evening and go to midnight at the end of, of Thanksgiving. Or um, that was, I think, for two years. And then for like, I think, a year, they were 28 hours. So they started like 8. And then... Um, then in 1995, I think they did like a 12-hour or 14-hour one. But regardless, if you are a Mr. Science Teacher 3000 fan, you you should be celebrating. I say should. Yeah, please. I'm demanding that you do this. No, but you might be celebrating the fact that it is the 30th anniversary of the first Turkey Day, which began with um, the Ring of Terror and ended with... It conquered the world, and I remember being there for a lot of it. It began. It began actually um, at midnight when I I came home from uh, hanging out with friends because that was my first semester of college, and I was back at the start of the week, and because um, we had the whole week off, and I was actually out of work that week because the the Italian restaurant I worked at burnt down, literally three days before I came home. So I came home and said, let me get to work. We burnt down. Okay, let me sit here quietly. And they they did not, like when I came back at that Christmas, they still weren't back up and running. Um, so I had the I had the week off, which was which was okay at that time. But uh, I, I just remember being there the whole week. And then when Thanksgiving started, the thing I will say about the Thanksgiving and Turkey Dan, I know what you're saying, Dan, what does this have to do with the Avengers Super Train? It doesn't. It has to do with my history and my life and what's happening um, at this time anniversary-wise. So uh, so I'm hoping if you listen to this right now at Thanksgiving and you're thinking, Dan, get on with the show. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but if you're listening to this like three or four years down the road, and you're like, hey, Dan, what are you talking about now? Hey, I'm talking about this. But I, the thing I remember is, is that when it began at midnight, I watched a bit of it and then fell asleep. Woke up in the morning, started watching around 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I was there heavily until pod people started when my girlfriend of the past year, Cheryl, um, uh, who, who stayed back in Rochester when I went away for college, met up with me and we went to her house and we spent some time at her house 
And halfway during pod people, we went for a drive. She broke up with me. And this this is the funny thing. I absolutely adored her. And at the beginning of pod people, right after pod people began, two hours, two hour frame time, like six, was it six to eight? Or is it six to eight or eight to 10 on Thanksgiving in 1991? Left the house, went to visit Cheryl. She broke up with me. And I got back home before pod people was over. That's why I watched the rest of the marathon because I was so distraught that I just sat there laughing. The guys just made me laugh so much. It made me Kathleen Caper and Conquer the World thing. daddy was on in there. It was just such, such fun. And I don't mean to make uh, Turkey Day sound like the most depressing thing ever, but um, it's a joy. It, it was a joy, and it was something fun um, for years. So, uh, so happy 30th anniversary, Turkey Day. And we are, if you're an MST fan, they are prepping season three. 13 as we speak i i was a kickstarter or whatever they were on um contributor to that and they are doing a turkey day a special turkey day on thanksgiving itself so stop listening to this if it's thanksgiving 2021 and go listen to that and um it's funny i i, I had a lot of interesting thoughts about mystery science theater, theater 3000 having watched it a bunch over the past month and my thoughts on it as i'm getting older but none of those are appropriate here because right now we're going to talk about Search, Battlestar Galactica, and something great, Kolchak. So we're doing Search episode 18 with Mitchell, who may be in a new house. Chris is joining us for episode 2 of Battlestar Galactica, and Tim S. Turner, that's the way I refer to Tim now, Tim S. Turner. And I will be discussing episode 9 of Kolchak. So forgive my uh, MST blabber right there. I actually recorded two openings. uh, And so much like the way the 1995 MST Night of the Blood Beast episode aired, I might replace this opening you're listening to now with my shorter opening later. But for right now, MST, Turkey Day, 1991, 30 years ago. This episode happening right now, Battlestar Galactica, Search, Kolchak. Let's start here. Directed by Christian I. Nyby II. Written by Glenn A. Larson, Donald Belisario, September 24th, 1978. This is part one of Lost Planet of the Gods. And this one, I, I won't go too crazy because Chris and I think uh, again do a pretty darn good. Basically, the Galactica sort of hits a like a void, uh, empty space, a void. And um, um, as, as um, our Apollo and Starbuck are sort of looking at that, some of the other... Um, uh, Viper pilots get sick. They they come down with this mysterious ailment from traveling too close to a planet, 
and a bunch of new Viper pilots are brought in. Um, uh, mostly, they're made up of young women, including um, Serena, who's going to be Apollo's bride. And they're let out to try to uh, find out what's going on and what's happening. And, and basically, the episode is, we have a bunch of guys who are getting really, really sick. And we have these young women who are being recruited to be Viper pilots immediately. And they're all flying out. They're going crazy. And they are looking for the planet Cobol. Which is, which is according to Adama, the place where um, humanity originated from. And I won't get too crazy on that, but there's there's a void, and there are sick people, and there's this new group of Viper pilots, and there's this planet Cobol, which may or may not provide us the information we need to um, get back to Earth. I'll stop it there because Chris and I go deep into it, but um, listen to this. Lost Planet of the Gods, Battlestar Galactica, Episode 2, or Episode 4, or the first regular episode, or it's the first hour-long episode of Battlestar Galactica, aired the aired the week after the th- enormous three-hour pilot, which we forgot to mention, two hours into it was uh, interrupted by uh, Camp David peace accords with Begin and Sadat signing a, a peace treaty with uh, Jimmy Carter there, which was interesting because... If it if it happened right at the end of the second hour, it would have happened around the moment when those people were going down in the elevator in the, on the disco planet, saw something and all screamed. And then the moment they started screaming, it cut to Jimmy Carter at the Camp David <laughs> Peace Accords. Oh, is that true? And, oh wow! And, and so and that that was only the East Coast though, because obviously on the um uh, on the uh, on the West Coast it hadn't started yet. But on the East Coast and and like Central Time, the show was de- it was delayed for one hour. But luckily, apparently, ABC, when it ended, they went right back where they left off. Yeah. I think the but, same thing uh, happened with um, think same thing happened with NBC. I think they were showing uh, King Kong that same night, if I'm not mistaken, and the same thing happened. Oh, wow. And um, and they they and they did exactly the same thing, which was basically saying, okay, when we come back, we're gonna go right back to where we left off and take it to the duration there. So yeah, that. So and and I mean that that's kind of exciting though because if it if it was that moment where the woman screams you don't know what's going on <laughs> and then all of a sudden it goes to Camp David for an hour mm. and you're watching Sadat and Begin you know signing peace treaties could you imagine that like as a seven or eight year old kid is it, just is like it, is oh. this part of the show <laughs> yeah yeah it would have been like wait a minute Jimmy Carter's at Battlestar Galactica oh my God mom look at this. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so, oh, everyone, this is Chris, uh, Chris Bly. How are you, Chris? I'm good, Dan. How are you? Doing okay. Yeah, the, um, we, we forgot to mention, the, th- the thing with Saga of a Star World is that it's three hours long. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we didn't talk about simply for more or less sanity's sake. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one thing we forgot, I forgot to mention. But, um, so, but now we are on, um, why did I just blank on the name of the episode? Planet of the Lost God. Wait a minute, which one? Lost Planet of the Gods. Lost Planet of the Gods. I'm sorry, I actually had it up on my TV here, and the moment I looked over, suddenly the screen went blank. So, so that's that's the episode we're talking about here, and we'll we'll just dive right in. Okay, Chris, what what did you what did you think of this one? Okay, well, you know, we we start with a teaser on this one here, which is basically you know going into a little preview of what we're going to be expecting, which we didn't get. Which we didn't get from the last time, and then uh, the um, we get the same narration that we got from the pilot uh, by the great Patrick McNee, um, well, who also does the voice of Imperious Leader, and um, 
the, we noticed that the titles at the beginning also have now have gone to a circle, which a lot of these late seventies, early eighties shows have done, which is where the, where it's happened. Um, a lot of these shows, Battlestar Galactica shows everything in circle along with the cast members, not to love Bodie, but just the right amount. And, um, it's gone from a prismic color to yellow. It's gone to a yellow uh, font on this one. And we see our main characters, but then as we come back from commercial, we get the rest of the cast get their own title card of their actor names, not their character names so much. And, we get that to lead us into this episode with, you know, of course, the guest stars. But this one gives us we see uh, John Colicos uh, looking a little different as Baltar and a couple and other ones in the beginning. And we start off uh, uh, very well with this episode. The last episode, I want to see where this goes, because uh, this is a another two hour episode. But this is part one that we're dealing with here. And um it was quite the, the episode of, of sorts of a continuation of where we somewhat left off. We don't know how much time has gone by since um, the, the, the when we last met them. Uh, we're not really indicated that, but we kind of go into some things that are continuing where it's uh, where uh, uh, it's his name. Uh, <laughs> I know it's a, it's, a, it's a, Apollo is expressing <laughs> his interest further with Serena and the, uh, uh, Starbuck is uh, going a little more for Athena, and they're all gathered around the the, the table there, and uh, with Adama, and uh, Apollo has a very special announcement out of all of this, um, where he he's gone as far as he wants to uh, make uh, Serena his wife, and bo- with Boxy along with that. I don't think we saw too much of um, of uh, the Daggett in this episode uh, there. Um, no, I don't think so. Briefly. Maybe. Mm, maybe briefly, but not uh, not as. Uh, oh, he, yes, when there we got to go now. They're going to argue. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're going to argue. Yes, we'll send the. Eye. But um, yeah, because that comes up in another point later in the episode. But uh, this is one where uh, scout. It's once again we're at a scouting mission as we were at the beginning of the last one, and uh, going around. But instead of coming across. Cylons, we happen to come across something else. We come across a void of sorts with um, that uh, we get it that kind of cuts off the communication between Starbuck and Apollo, where they have to like kind of at some point very disconnected. Meanwhile, Boomer and Jolly happen to go off onto another uh, onto a mysterious asteroid, which they unbeknownst to them, or I should say uh, very unexpectedly to their surprise, sees that it's a Cylon outpost. But they come back with something uh, that they realize within their ships they did not expect. They're expecting to come back for festivities to uh, congratulate Apollo on his uh, neck. Something comes in the way of that uh, in the form of a virus. And it not only affects the couple of them, it affects some of the crew. They're put in cryogenic uh, quarantine, and things have to be figured out. And now they're without a flight crew. So what ends up happening is they have to uh, – Starbuck has to train uh, a lot of the, the ladies there to um, kind of uh, – well, how about you know we have you take over these guys' spots because we need this fleet of sorts. And um, – that uh, we we have our uh, replacements, but we have to quickly train you, and we have to have you combat ready. And it's one of those episodes that, like I said, it, it from the seeds that are already planted, we're reintroduced 
to Lucifer, mm-hmm. and he has a speaking voice. That speaking voice done by the mm-hmm. great Jonathan Harris. Yes. Not sounding so much like uh, not sounding so much like Doctor Smith as much, but you know, but kind of has that little kind of like uh, delights and things there. And when we see Baltar at this point, he goes from the Roman togas to a black suit and and uh, light on the face on that big chair. Mm-hmm. At one point, where the imperious leader would sit, the the man dressed in dark, but with the face that you can't uh, cannot uh, notice and tries to see the strategizing between him and um, uh, and uh, Lucifer when it comes to uh, seeing the next move of the Galactica. I, I, the thing I like about this, the space where Baltar is sitting is that I can imagine if it was a robot on this huge um, circular column, like, I don't know, 20 feet in the air, 25 feet in the air, something like that. If it was a robot, it's probably built in. Or something mm. like that, but Baltar, I, ju- I just like imagine him being. Excuse me, Baltar has to use <clears throat> the little boy's room and like a couple Cylons with a huge ladder. Yeah. Like, just give me a minute. Just how give me a minute. Sp- Don't. We, yeah, as we discussed on the previous episode, how does these people get down? Yeah, it's like that's number one and two. It's like, what if somebody goes climbs up and attacks? You know, what's gonna be what's gonna be the uh, the um, the, uh, the the result of that, you know, it's like it, yes. it, this could be an easy thing where it's like, okay, now I have to get off and falls, and it's like, oh, there's your replacement. I mean, we had to have another imperious leader on the last one. <laughs> so and, and it's like this. Is there another? But also makes one wonder: is there another Baltar? Was they, you know, since Cylons mm. are very sophisticated in yeah. cloning, could there be a clone Baltar? Who knows? Oh, Maybe we'll find out. Yeah. Maybe we can find out in f- future episodes here. So. And and I did not look in this episode, but I'll probably look in later episodes to see that when Baltar is looking at the big screen, and they always walk, Lucifer walks in, usually with a pal, and Baltar spins around in the chair. I haven't looked down to see if you can see his feet, like, move, 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 move my feet, move my feet, move my feet, you know, moving the chair around, like they don't have it on a spinny thing, but he has to move it with his feet. And um, yeah, and I'm gonna look next. Time, and he doesn't though. do like the office chair. He doesn't do the office chair spinning either. You know, which yes. uh, he might have room he, for. You know, but who knows? Yes. So um, so I uh, so as far, as far as this episode goes, I think this is this is an excellent sort of first regular episode. It mm. has it has enough stuff going on, and there, there seems to be like for the first like twenty five minutes um, before they even get to the point where they have to train all the women be fighters it just seems like something happens and then something else happens and then something else happens and then suddenly like adama what's going on the end of us all <laughs> oh no really come on are you kidding immediately and then the it, set, he, yes he's going doom on this he's already thinking doom it's the final countdown according to him <laughs> you know, it's, yes and it's it's very nicely done because I, I think it's it's structured real well because you you get all that that stuff at the beginning with a boomer and jolly landing on the planet and 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 Apollo and Starbuck going into that void and and setting up the bachelor party and then like Adama getting almost a little frisky at the uh, dinner table as they're eating <laughs> as they're eating their green finger sandwiches and parfaits and he's like I tell you Serena if I were 100 yarns or whatever it is yarns, like 40 yarns younger yes if I was 30 40 yarns younger I would be on you like a cheap suit no he doesn't say that <laughs> But, we, but you, it's, it's exactly what he's saying, but he's not exactly saying that. No. Not, you can sort of see, you can sort of see Apollo has a mix of, you know, Dad, I, I, I see what you're doing. You know, you're <laughs> pointing out to me that she's a great catch, but you're, 
stepping over it. If I were Pernell Roberts, I would have stood up and told you to <laughs> knock it off. Yeah, and, well, even if he was in the surgical suit and saying, I am Trapper John, but yeah, so it's... <laughs> so I, I, th- I think the, the episode is, is, is has, has a lovely structure to it, and there's so much happening, and then when they actually get to the point where all the all the women are out there with the guys, and they're flying, and it's a really nicely done scene, I think, when they're all out in the ships, and the women are saving the day, and, and it's it's pretty great, and... and um, it's and, pretty much uh, like a modern day kind of thing, you know. When you think about it, there's like, and you know, all the ladies are, are are now taking charge, and they're actually doing like some of the space flights. But also, too, think of it this way: that bachelor party is like the early indicator of a super spreader party. Yeah, oh yes, exactly. Yep, yep. I mean, because that, I mean, that gets like the the scene where Jolly is like he has his shirt off and he's sweating, and like the the the, the doctor guy is just like manhandling him. Mm-hmm. Is just kind of like I don't know if it's the high def of the Blu-ray, but I was a little skeeved out by some, because it gets a little too close to Jolly and the, the doctor just like grabbing his eyeballs and moving his face around. And it's like, oh, leave him alone. Mm. He's sick already. He's sick already. You don't need to jab him. Or they could just and say so, that Jolly is not too Jolly. At that moment, no, no, no. Mm. And so the episode yeah has a really nice um, uh, build to it and a structure to it. And it, uh, I, the the thing I liked about it, I think it was a good a good sign with a show like this is like when the um, when the, the the crew took off at the end to find this silent outpost mm. and try to do something about it. I like looked at the time and was like, oh, we're like ten minutes from the end. This is this really this really moves nicely. They have they ha- there's enough event going on, um, a mix of the frivolous and silly with Ed Bagley Jr. hiding booze at the party, uh, alongside of this this um, this um, this killer bug whatever it is that's, that's really sort of wiping them out, and the void and the outpost and cutting back to Baltar and training the the ladies to fly. There's there's so much going on in this episode that it's 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 really I think quite a joy to watch i think it's a lot of fun it moves it's it's got some funny moments it's exciting and then when it ends you're like okay what about this planet of the gods Mm. what does that have to do with anything well it's almost like we sometimes talk about keep reading you know but you know it's like that's exactly and also too they call the they call the booze victuals victuals it's it's like is that is that like like drink for victory is that kind of like another way of putting it there because they oh it's and also they make a reference here it's like almost like a jab to star wars it's like Going back is our only hope. Only <laughs> hope is in there. I'm going like, oh, good God. It's in there. But I think it's great how organically they like, say, oh, I'm going to go home to Serena and we're going to get the talk. And then all of a sudden he sees her in the pilot. She's like, oh, so she's training now. Goes, oh, yeah, I've been training for about a year and doing this one. So it's kind of like it makes things intriguing because then once we get to the great flow of this and everything, Baltar, his very last thing is like, oh, but they're always on patrol those things capture one to be continued what's gonna happen now it's like and it's kind of quick credits you know for a part one but uh, yes but it's capture one and then that's part one everybody and this is gonna be yeah. like okay but what will happen in part two that mm-hmm. we will find out on the next uh, uh, episode of Battlestar yeah. Galactica and I, th- I think the, the 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 thing, like I said, the thing to me that makes it a winner of an episode is just there's there's so much going on and it's all pretty interesting. Sure, 
So and and fun to watch. So and I mean I I like that scene in the void where Apollo goes into it and then Starbuck gets him out by um uh, because because when I was younger I I could like um you know like I could um uh well I mean I'm I'm saying this like I'm some superhero or something but you know if there was like a dark room or something and I had seen the room previously I could maneuver through the room like a bat you know and not run into things and get you know and if you know and and walk through dark spaces and things I can't really do that now I tend to just run into walls but when I was a kid you know I was able to like like what what sort of what Starbuck does here where like he can't see anything he doesn't know what's going on but he kind of flies into space and he can kind of intuit where he is and then he spins around he does a 180 and he flies backwards counting down the way he counted up and then he's he he's out of the void and I, I kind of like the way he does that because that um that 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 thing he does that I don't know if that's something that pops up I've I've never really seen something quite like that mm. somewhere else but that that feels to me almost like something like maybe one of the writers did some, some variation of or something mm. and they were like you know I used to be able to you know do this and then do that well why don't we have Starbuck you know it's like he can as as long as he keeps on this trajectory going straight and he counts to ten. Then he gets to the spot, spins it around, comes. He can he can maneuver in a place that has Apollo completely lost. And they have to shoot off lasers. Else... And they yes. have to shoot off lasers like they shoot off flares, basically to indicate yes. you know, which is like it's like, oh shoot something off so that way I know it's you and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. and God knows either one of them were looking to bail. Particularly once again in such character, um, yeah. Starbuck is basically looking like that. Almost at that point where he wants to give up, I'm sure he wants to get back to gambling and uh, doing his uh, usual fare or get back to his cars, which we don't see any of in this episode. I don't believe. I don't think we see a cigar lighting up in this no, one I as we did so. the pilot. Yeah, he so. mentioned he mentions it. Yeah, mm. when he saves them. Yeah, he mentions it. And you owe me a few few Morello or something like that. Uh. He says <laughs> uh, it's uh. a food. F- um, but the, the, I, I, the thing, the thing, yeah, the thing I like about that sequence is the way he saves him. To me, and I don't know what it would be from, but looks like something from someone's memory. One of the writers or someone heard someone tell a story like that, just because it's so slightly odd. But it also kind of like intuitively, it kind of in my mind it works. Yeah, and, and, and so this, and, I'm sorry. and the keep in note, uh, the episode is written. Mm. Belisario, who we'd, we'd later learn, uh, created two big shows uh, um, for a couple of networks, uh, Quantum Leap, and he also did Jag. So that was. Oh yes, okay, yeah. There's, yeah. I always, I always like the the little moments in there, which um, I, I wish I could think of one now. I'll think of one five minutes after we're done talking. <laughs> but just you know, one of those great things where you like you watch you watch a movie or you watch a TV show and like someone is able to get out of something or do something. And you kind of think to yourself, you know, that kind of makes sense. Where'd they come up with that? Mm. And then, you know, like if you listen to the commentary, you know, that someone will say, Oh, when I was young, we used to do that or, you know, something like that. Mm. And that's what that feels like to me, which I, which I really like. Yeah. Someone must've shot up flares quite a bit just that, you know, if anybody got lost and kind of injected that into this episode there, you know, when they got to the board. Yes. Yeah, something like that, where, like, um, uh, you know, like, when the flares would go up, and in in that split second where I could see everything, it would stay in my mind, you know, and I could fly to that space, which was now dark, turn around, retrieve whatever I had to, and come right back, 
because I could still like like when 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 Starbuck is doing it and Apollo goes, "How are we going to get out of here?" You know, we're following the end of my nose. Well, how about no, no, don't talk to me. Just don't talk to me. Don't say a word. Ten, nine, and they start flying. And you can see like he's got like something in his mind which isn't going to stay in his mind very long. Mm. So he can't be distracted. He can't be. He he has to do it right right away, or else it's gone. Mm. And I, I love that. I'd love to know. I'd love to know if that was that was well. I'm yakking about it, but I just <laughs> I like that moment. And that's that's one of those things, you know, in an episode that has some some very dark moments, some fun moments. Um, you know, it has the training, the the women being trained, and and then and then the, and then it has um, is it Janet Julian? I, f- I forget her name though. The, mm. Who um, she plays Bree, one of the uh, the the female pilots. Yeah, and she of course she of course is one of my favorites. She <laughs> is in she's in a lot of stuff. She is in the second regular BJ and the Bear episode, Shine On. Uh-huh. Her and Kimberly Kimberly Beck. Two final girls play two like moonshine sisters mm. who kidnap BJ uh, and and force him to help them uh, deliver some shine. <laughs> and then she also plays a character whose name I forget, who's a regular in season two of BJ and the Bear. Mm. She's one of the seven lady truckers. Oh, and that's that's I was gonna say one of the fun things if you if you're in the Larson verse is like Lorette Swang in this episode. It was uh, Cassiopeia. Yes. She is um, like like at this time, like pop culturally, two years before this, or was it two years or was it one? One or two years before this, she was the Fonz's girlfriend during the Jumping the Shark episode of Happy Days. Ah, uh, it probably and, would be around, maybe around that time, maybe a year, probably. I would think, you know, probably a year from that uh, or or such. I think it's, Pretty it's, close. A, it's a year. It's a year or two. I, I don't quite remember, but it's it's either seventy six or seventy seven. Um, cool. And then a year after this, she'd be Snow White. That's her trucker name in the two part season two beginning of BJ and the Bear. She Snow White and the Seven Lady Truckers, where she has seven lady truckers and they 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 haul stuff around in a in a very entertaining but overcomplicated two-part season opener of BJ mm. and the Bear. And she's in that, and she's lovely, and she has the romance with BJ in that, and very different kind of character. And, um, and uh, but but she, she she's one of those, if you watch the Larson verse during this time period, like all of these people, like Anne Lockhart, who will appear later on in the ah, yes. Battle Circle. Yeah. She, she was in a Buck Rogers, she was in a BJ, she's in two BJ and the Bears. Mm. Um, uh, playing the same character. Um, and it's just, it's just great if you watch the Glenn A. Larson shows, you see, even later on, shows like Masquerade and Manimal, you will see them pop up. You know, uh, and you'll, it, see, well, you'll see, I'm sorry. I always wondered why they don't just call them the Larson Lovelies, you know? That would be a great name. Yeah, wouldn't mm. that, that should be. Yeah, that's. Like, like if Vanity uh, Fair could take, you know, some of the surviving ones and do like a spread out there and call them like the, the Larson Lovelies and it'd be all the ones that you saw like from yes. all the shows that you mentioned there. And it's like, that <laughs> yes. to me, hey, that would be worth getting the price of that the Hollywood issue for sure. <laughs> I would, I, same, same, I'd pick that up. Yeah, but the, uh, so, so yeah, so she, she's in this, um, and, and Janet Julian is in this, and who, um, I forget her character's name in the second season of BJ and the Bear, but she's in about a half a dozen episodes, mm-hmm. and every time she shows up, she's lovely, and she's always flirting with BJ, and BJ's flirting with her, but it never seems to evolve, and I think, into anything, I think the last time you see her is maybe the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. uh, where she kind of welcomes, after BJ has had 
a hell of a Christmas night, <laughs> ending with him ending him with him delivering a baby in in the back of his truck mm. in the middle of a blizzard. She welcomes him into the Christmas party yeah. at, at at Country Comfort. And, um, and as I and, noticed but, on but, this episode, too, I saw the name Leanne Hunley on there as well, mm. who used to be on Days of Our Lives. She also was on a couple of game shows in the 80s as well. Uh, that also happens to be one of the gals in training uh, during this particular episode of Battlestar Galactica. Yes. So she was like a common name that you would hear a couple of times. Uh, yes. She also, to me, I remember when Days of Our Lives had a, a team, uh, Battle of the Network Stars had a syndicated uh, follow-up called star games and funny enough she was she was one of those names that you kept on hearing oh, leanne wow. hunley was, yes oh wow that that's yeah that's I, I i'm gonna it's a great it's a great when you see all the women there you're like yeah those are larson lovely yes absolutely all the way all the way and and janet julia is also of course in in some circles best known she's the final girl in humongous uh-huh <laughs> the 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 quite fun slightly dull but worth watching Slasher from 1982. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and she's great, regardless regardless of whether whether it's a good movie. She's she's a lot of fun to watch in it. And she she's one of those great final girls who she starts off her her character's like a model and she's gorgeous and she's in like bikinis and stuff. And then by the end, you know, she's covered in dirt, fighting this gigantic monster man in the middle of every everything being on fire and craziness, and all her friends are dead. And it's just one of those great. Um, and how can Great, you go without? Uh, and how can you go without Final Girls? Then having uh, the ultimate Jamie Lee Curtis, who happened to be in an episode of Buck Rogers as well. Yes, so, that's right. As that's you can right. see, like, Larson has a very good instinct when it comes to his lovelies. The lady, the Larson lovelies. Yes. So, um, so what else do you have with this one? I, I think I actually covered almost everything yeah, I had we, to say when I. And it, it ended on the note that you say, "Ooh, I wonder, I wonder where this is going to go from where Baltar happened to be on that one." And yeah. I think we pretty pretty much uh, covered it. But it's like basically it's that, and also I'm deciding to go into the void, which I'm surprised. Yes. There's a part of me that kept on saying, "Okay, it's Lost City of the Gods, and that's probably where it's leading to." But at the same time, mm-hmm. I said, like, why didn't they just call the episode Into the Void? I mean, it's like, to me, it's like... It is, That's a great title. It might, yeah. have, it might have been, hey, maybe too on the nose, perhaps, you know, but at the same time, <laughs> I said, there has to be, I'm sure we're going to find out come part two, where this lost city of the gods happens to lead to. So it's like... Yes, because it's, yeah, it's, because we, I, I mean, you've got to figure it's in the void, even though... It's 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 funny, you know, mentioning the, um, previously we mentioned, you know, that it was a seven, uh, originally a seven-hour thing. It's almost like if if the first hour was meant to be the 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 you know ending with Earth, mm. you know, um, and the second hour and the third hour was the thing with Ray Meland on that almost disco planet, and I'm wondering if this two parter was like the fourth and the fifth hour. Mm. We're going that into they, the void. You know, void, yeah. Where where they split it in half, and that's why it's called something that has does not feature at all mm. in the first episode because mm. usually if you if you call a two-part story something the title will relate to something that happens in both parts well it wasn't exactly you, frack fracker figer garb but you know it's basically yeah, it's, it's said it's, a lot in this episode for sure there's like you can almost do like it yes. kind of is like at least three fracks there's at least two yes. figer garbs you know, I'm Three, sure. Yes, as a Falcon Gar- or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, yeah. She well, basically, two, it, we we could go like Price is Right rules and see what's like closest without going over bit. That one, see what the <laughs> yeah, number exactly. is. So yeah. Yeah. The um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd like to think that 
by time you got to if if Battlestar Galactica had run for say like a Star Trek The Next Generation seven seasons or something, um, and it, by time you got to like season four and the show had a little more humor in it, mm. and it, it it began to enjoy itself more like Next Generation did after a few seasons. Um, there would have been an episode like in season four that was just like all caps with two exclamation points. Frack. <laughs> I'd be like, what's that about? I don't know. Tune in and find out. Or, or Fractastic could be another one. On the <laughs> Fract. Frack. And then, and then the next season would be Fractastic. Mm. Return of the Frack. Frac- you know, it's like, you know. It's... Fractacular. Yeah. It's, don't smoke Frack. Yes. It, would be, it, would, don't... <laughs> it really would be something. Kids, but, don't also smoke too, frac- but you also figure, too, that maybe if some cast member who I'm sure we'll find out on the next episode uh, would have um, gone on. And continued, maybe the show possibly would have had a future because this particular cast member had a future in miniseries and television movies and did a oh, show true. of their own that was on for quite a long time. But at that time, believed that they were going to be on for a seven, like believed it was going to be just a few yes. things and found out it wasn't and turned out not to um, to say, well, uh, I'm, I didn't sign on for that. So we will find that out uh, when we get to the next part, yes. exactly who that cast member is on that yes, one. I mean, yes. for those of you who've watched and heard the commentaries, you'll know exactly who, but keep it <laughs> on to, but onto this, uh, yeah, yeah. on this podcast, you'll, you'll find out from us on the, yeah. on the next, uh, on the next uh, chapter of the Galactica territory <laughs> here, the next yes, part, if and- you will. Uh, exactly I who the cast member was. Yeah. I, I will say it's not uh, Dirk Benedict because he says during the commentary when they were talking about that, I think he says, I'm like, I don't fully remember it being seven hours. I just remember every time they handed me a new contract, I signed it. I, I, I said yes. To every, you know, I always said yes. You know, to every, yes, he, that's every, right. I always said yes. I was whatever they get. I said yes. It's funny because a yeah. friend of mine actually ran into um, Dirk Benedict a couple of years ago because um, one of the theaters over in the city was playing the movie Body Slam, uh, which he's oh, in. Yeah. And that um, uh, the great um, uh, Hal Needham directed, who happened to be there to do yes. a QA and a was just wonderful. Oh. Well, my friend makes, mentions it to Dirk, and Dirk went nuts going, why didn't anybody tell me they were doing this? Whatever. So it's like it's one of those things where you never know what they, <laughs> what's going to be reactive to that. And I mean, on a similar yes. note, on my case, um, I, I had attended an episode of SNL and I came across uh, a, a, the actor Joe Regalbuto. Uh-huh. And uh, he was there because uh, a couple of his uh, Murphy Brown uh, people happened to be part of, um, I think Candace Bergen made a cameo on there, and I guess that she invited her with the revival of Murphy Brown. They happened to be in town, and I saw Joe as I go up to Joe, and I said, Hey, I just want to tell you, I said, I'm looking at you, and I said, I, I got one word that just comes to mind. I said, I just want to tell you, I've always been a Street Hawk fan. And with that, he went, <laughs> oh. I said, Oh my God, Street Hawk, oh, Street Hawk, woo! Like, he was loving it. I mean, I could have mentioned the Star Chamber. I could have mentioned any other yes. friggin' movie on the planet. <laughs> I mentioned Street Hawk, and he just loved it up. He just, he was just thrilled to hear that. You know that one. So I go like, okay, you never know. Sometimes when you mention something to somebody, how they're going to react. And yes, that case with Dirk, fantastic. and that case with um, with the Joe, I said like, there you go. I said like, hey, there's there's still a light that they have for some, some of the wonderful work that they've done, and they and uh, God love them for it. So yeah. Yes. No. I when I when I used to um you know when we used to be able to go to conventions, you know I used to go to the big Doctor Who convention that's out here every year, 
and um and I would meet some of the actors and writers and things and um I would always if if I knew them from something else I'd always try to bring that up you know because it's like well you're always gonna you know if it's a Doctor Who convention you say boy you were great in Doctor Who mm-hmm. and they're like oh thanks yeah that's why I'm here but if you could say something else and so there were on more than one occasion I won't I won't elaborate but I would say to someone you know what you yeah you were great in this but you know what I really loved you in was this. And then you suddenly see, like, they'd be signing something, and they'd look up at you like, really? Mm. Really? And it's like their eyes would light up, really? And then, they, and then they'd, they'd lean in and, like, put a hand on yours or something and just say, hey. And they, they'd start to really tell you a story. Yeah, which, which, is always, which is always a kick right there. And I, say, I always yes. say stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, the curiosity, the knowledge of anything. I said, it's good currency because you just never know. Yes. When, it's, like, it's like this, you know, it's like putting a, a money in a slot machine and you know you just never know how it's going to turn out but if you have that one lucky spin and that lucky spin yes. happens to be something that is not necessarily what they're there for but you know them from something else and happen to mention it to them you just never know and you know you might get like a 5 or 10 minute conversation with them going into stories yes. and it's like you're you're just sitting down and say just speak i just want to, i i'd love to hear this like you know people when they go up to george hamilton i'm sure mentions mm-hmm. all of it first bite and a couple of these other mm-hmm. things and for me i would say like well I have to say one of my favorite movies is The Power, movie that he did in oh, the 60s yeah. uh, where he's – Yes, it's the 60s. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's the ultimate precursor to like Firestarter and The Fury. I said it, was, mm-hmm. it was one of the first movies that ever dealt with telekinesis, and it was done by MGM. And um, it was one of those movies also that used to be here in New York. We had the 430 movie, and it happened to be one of those movies that popped up on there. And I wasn't aware of it until TCM had this like promo reel from like the late 60s going through all these movies that were about to come out. And one of them was this movie. And I actually watched it and I said, you know what? This is a really good one. I'm curious if I ever <laughs> mentioned this to I'm sure I don't know how many people we have coming up to him about, you know, like about all these other movies, but also the power. I would say it's apparently somebody went up to him and he had like has all these George Powell stories who produced the movie. Uh, he has mm-hmm. all these George Powell stories, basically on that. But oh, like as as we said, you know, you just never know when you bring something up to them yes. how they're going to react. And in case, and you know what, they and they love you for it, you know for sure, you know because it, and and you never know. And it's 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 and 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 too, it's one of those things like I you would encounter, you know, later on in the weekend you would like round a corner and see that person again and you and you'd be like oh hey how are you and then you'd be surprised and like oh how are you doing and they'd, they'd be like like you, you and i was like you you don't have to be friendly to me you know you just you were yeah. you know you signed my thing and we had a nice chat but but it's like they're they're still you know like oh my gosh you remember that thing and they're still like how you doing what's mm-hmm. going on and i was like hey yeah so i had that it reminds with, me i had that with oh, what, was it um the writer by the name of jay cox uh, that happened with uh, was at a screening of uh, uh, they did, they did a panel of um, uh, with Erwin Winkler about certain movies that were and Jay Cox had written a couple of the movies and they mentioned Strange mm-hmm. Days to him and he's like mm-hmm. oh Kath, you know, Kath, you know, Catherine Bigelow oh my God she was great and everything we went into about five minutes about and everything because it is a favorite movie and then he was on another panel the next day and as we catch each other like looking he's like oh there's my writer friend hello like like he goes like that to me <laughs> go like because you know we're talking about writing a little yeah. bit and everything's like oh my writer friend is over here. hey what's yes. going on it's exactly. like, like i said that's always great when you get that little bit of familiarity and like the thing that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect them to to be on i mean yes. the, i would have loved to have mentioned um i mean he, he was married to verna bloom at one time and i said god knows mm-hmm. i would i would have loved to have told him and in after hours world you always need a june 
and yes. referring to to her character in that film because they said you know from all mm. that this guy's going through finally he has a gal that he's that is acknowledging you know oh well you're being nice to me I don't know why and then when it gets to a desperate moment it's like I hide I, I gotta get you in your life doing everything and everything and anything he possibly can to make sure that this mob does not fucking take him and, and does, does all these <laughs> things there but um, and, and, and so I always say in an after world after hours world you need a June you know it's like it's but yes. um, yeah. so I would have loved to mention <laughs> anyway getting but I digress yes but uh, no but no. other than that you know like I said but uh, the we, we gotta love all these uh, Battlestar Galactica leads most of which we still have I mean unfortunately we don't have Richard Hatch we don't have Lauren Green it's too bad yeah, yeah but yeah. pretty much uh, and we don't have John Colicos but we have pretty much or, or or Jonathan Harris or Patrick McNeil but we have pretty much just about everybody I else. I think so, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. just about everybody else is still with us beautifully. And, you know, you mentioned um, uh, Anne Lockhart also was on an episode of Buck Rogers, if I'm not mistaken. You know, you were talking about... Yeah, the she's, the, she's the one where, um, yeah, Buck goes like a, like an amusement park or something and sees someone who he was in... The, the gal he was in love with when he went up yeah. in the spaceship. Jackson, that's a good episode there for sure. It's like Jen. It's called like Jennifer, something Jennifer, or, or something, something Jennifer. Like that. Yeah, it's, and I think Dennis Haysbert was really on that episode. One. Yeah, Dennis Haysbert was on that episode as a kid as well, before he was I doing all these insurance yes, commercials. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. And, or playing uh, Serrano um, in Major League, but that's that's an old other story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I will just say, um, so I would just say before we wrap up, the um, there there. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens in that, this episode, but I just saw on the screen here um, when Athena is training, and you think she's in the Viper, and but she's but she isn't a Viper, but it's actually the training Viper. Mm. So you think she's in space, and then you hear Starbucks' voice, and then he steps into frame, <laughs> and puts like one foot up on the Viper, and leans towards. It's a really nice one. I mean, you you kind of knew she wasn't in space and she was in training anyways, but it's kind of lovely that they have the model of the Viper that they sit in, like, right there. Something and, that would be copied later with the Kobayashi Maru in the Star Trek series. Mm. In the, yes. in, particularly in the second movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, actually, that was about, <laughs> that was actually all I had. Um, so um, I, I guess uh, if, if, if you're all set, Chris, I'll just I'll just ask you where where we can find you online or what you're up to. Sure, uh, you can find me online Facebook.com/slash Captain Bly uh, on Instagram. On there is Captain Bly seventy six, uh, and um, keeping up with the first few, uh, which um, we, we cover a movie a day. Each day is a surprise. We sometimes have a theme, we sometimes don't. It's sometimes it's the past and sometimes it's the present, but it's always something, and it's something that I'm seeing for the first time because this year I've. I've put that promise to me to see a movie a day that I've never seen before uh, and um, keep adding to that and also keep an eye out for the deep dive TV movie picture show where we're covering different TV movies um, both past and present and uh, you never know if we might run into a miniseries so keep an eye out excellent thank you again and we will be back next time and we're going to find out what's going on with this planet of gods and the void and what's Baltar up to and all these other shenanigans and is someone going to get married and are all the fighters going to die and and we might get to see uh, Jolly again sweaty and hairy <laughs> what will, if we're lucky what will come of this virus some of them are quarantined well, and, kind of like yeah. kind of like now you know, it's... 
Yeah, exactly. And 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 what we should talk about next time too. And then we're, we're gonna hop. I, I gotta. I'm gonna hop to the next segment. But I do want to talk about the lady who's always saying stuff. Mm. I forget her character's name, but she's the one who's always like, uh, "Fighter approaching." Yes, you are allowed clearance. That, and you see her like a thousand times. And I think she changed her hair in this particular episode. If I'm not she did. Mm. And, and that's something exciting that we're going to talk about next time. Mm. But right now, listen to this. Track Night Stalker Episode 9 The Spanish Moss Murders, December 6, 1974. Directed by Gordon Hessler. Scream and scream again. Scream and scream. You know him. Teleplay by hmm, David Chase. I don't know that name. And Al Friedman. Story by Al Friedman. This one is about a, um, a sort of gigantic. Um, I, uh, well, I said moss-covered monster called the, um, it's it's a Creole monster, the Pierre Maffei. I, I, I got that wrong. But it's uh, Rich, Richard Keel plays him. It's basically attacking people in Chicago who, who sort of threaten um, its survival. And it is conjured up in the mind of um, a gentleman who is in like a sleep um research facility not you know not quite like uh like um say the initiation not quite that but like someone in a sleeper who's like sleeping all the time and his dreams are conjuring this monster and is this big moss monster moss hot monster who's killing all sorts of things and kolchak is basically trying to stop it are you surprised that Kolchak was trying to stop it? I don't want to. I don't want to make that sound silly right there. But really, Kolchak is trying to stop that. Dan, thank you so much for your assistance after two TV movies and eight previous episodes. No, but that's what's happening. So it's, it's the Spanish moss, the um, the Pierre Maffei. The it's it's. I'm looking right here. It says Father of Mischief slash Wrongdoing slash Sin. It's basically this giant mossy, almost man thing type monster who goes around, a swamp thing, man thing type monster who goes around, uh, killing people in Chicago. So let uh, Tim and I are on the other side. Oh, that's Tim S. Turner. Spanish Moss Murders, Episode 9 of uh, Night Stalker, Kolchak. And I am here with the great Tim S. Turner. How are you, Tim? I'm okay. You're okay, Dan. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Now, um, I don't want anyone to get angry when we're (laughs) listening to this, but I think this is going to be an interesting chat. (laughs) So what did you you think of uh, Spanish Moss Murders, or SMM, as I have it written down? (laughs) Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Oh, 
I I always liked the more uh, unusual creatures, um, and bringing in a Cajun moss man uh, works for me. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll be one hundred percent honest. I I adore Keenan Wynn as Captain Siska yes. in this. His performance. <laughs> is absolutely hilarious. Uh, you basically get the impression that Carl has driven him to near madness. And so then he goes to like a, you know, an EST program or something like that, where he's, <laughs> he's realized he's got to, you know, channel his feelings. And uh, he, <laughs> he finally, <laughs> later in the episode, he's angry again. And Carl's like, what happened? I'm okay. You're okay. And he's like, I'll tell you the truth. You're not Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the people in my group therapy didn't tell me I was ever going to meet anybody as unokay as you are. <laughs> and it is true. In this episode, yeah. Carl is particularly a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is probably like his of of the nine. This is like he it, it, the most fast paced pain in the ass. Like every scene in between monster attacks is Carl like kind of annoying someone or sometimes getting annoyed by someone. But it's very. Fast oh, it is. Yeah, scene. absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I had to cut you off. Oh, no, it's fine. I I, <laughs> I just, I think Keenan Wynn, and, you know, thankfully they brought him back in a later episode. Um, I actually, I liked his performance so much, I wish he had just been the permanent captain that he interacted with. Yeah, that would have, I would have preferred that too. That would have been some nice uh, continuity because he would have been, because he, he starts, you know, when 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 Car- ever Carl talks to Vincenzo, there's always immediate yelling and yelling and yelling. And I like the first scene with them together. And you can sort of tell that this one, this is directed by Gordon Hessler, yes. who directed a, a bunch of a bunch of great fun horror films at the end of the '60s, first half of the '70s, oh, yeah. including one of one of my one of my favorites. Actually, I would call it more sci-fi, and that would be Scream and Scream Again. Yeah. <laughs> scream! I love Scream. I actually. After watching this the other day, I grabbed my Twilight Time Blu-ray and rewatched Scream Scream again, which is just the script is so nutty. Oh, it's all over. And it's it's all over the place. And the joy of it is when you get to the end, it's a pretty satisfying ending. It doesn't it doesn't leave you in a place where you're like, huh? (laughs) I mean, there's a there's a little bit of that there, but it's it's surprisingly because you get a lot of times where. The crazier something is, the more when you reach the end, you like the writer just threw up their hands and were like, "I don't get it." And, but but this one is more. Um, it's it's got such a great beginning and it works really well. And I think Gordon Hessler is uh, not my not my favorite director, but I think in like the films like uh, uh, Cry the Banshee and uh, and Murders in the Room Morgue, yeah. I think he's he's pretty he's a pretty good director. And in this one. He actually, the first scene with uh, Keenan Wynn's character is great because it involves when um, a couple of really long takes. One of them, I th- now I don't think the steady cam had been invented yet because it was invented for Rocky. But there's a handheld camera shot, a really where they're in a kitchen of the swanky restaurant, and 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 Siska is talking to Kolchak, and the camera's just in front of them as they're talking and talking. Then they kind of round a corner and go to the body, which is covered with moss. There is a cut in there when they're turning the corner, but it's almost one long, almost one long shot, and it looks very, it looks very nice. Yeah, it looks very, very, very filmic, and it, it gives you a sense of. Um, 
It gives you a sense of Keenan Wynn's character trying to keep it together. And he does throughout <laughs> most of the first scene. But then as it goes along, he gets, and it's a, it's a nice arc, too, where whenever he appears, you think, okay, what's he going to be like here? Yeah. And it's and he's so great. And he works so, so nicely with, uh, with Darren McGavin. It's fun to watch them. Yeah, I, he, he's got he's got some great comic moments in there because you, you see him and he's trying so hard to not be angry and he's talking he's talking to Carl and you see him getting angrier and angrier and his face gets redder and redder. He said, yes. "I had to find a way to charge my rage." And, <laughs> Dying because like, like Carl started looking like he was afraid, you know. <laughs> yes, like got his fist yeah. up in his face, you know. And he... <laughs> See, because I think he expects every cop to be like Kolchak, get out of here. Yeah. But to have have him have Cisco's uh, character be like, not Kolchak. You know, you're not supposed to be in here. Yeah. What's what's wrong? What's wrong, Captain? Okay, well you can stay, but please don't get in anyone's way. And he's very calm yeah. and very. <laughs> control but then he just goes nuttier as he goes and as the episode goes on and yeah i think i think with this episode the the only thing i uh, with this episode is i almost wish that this episode um because this is what it's a at, at this point we're sort of the show it has been more or less since the beginning but it's becoming very formulaic right and if you like the formula which i i love the formula it's a great time but but at the same time um, I almost wish, because I think this episode has some of the... And, and you can sort of see when you look at the credit, it's like it's written by one guy, and then co-written, and the teleplay is by, a story by one guy, teleplay by that guy, and David Chase. Yes. So you know, as the story editor, that meant David Chase sat down with the script and probably rewrote a large portion of it. And it has a lot of great sort of... That David Chase thing where... Um, uh, really horrible stuff i mean there's this this monster crushing people's chests and killing them and it's horrible mixed with this really weird comedy and and yeah. these other all these weird characters and it's like every few minutes there's like a, there's like a new weird character mm. sometimes for a few minutes sometimes just for a minute or two and it's really it's really sharply written and um I think I, I just like I said the only thing is I, I I wish maybe they had like thrown this in in like the second or third episode mm. because I think I think if it were a little earlier on before we sort of fully knew what the formula was this would have been one of my absolute favorites possibly my favorite but at at, at point number nine it's like this is an excellent episode of the show but it doesn't it doesn't go any it doesn't do like say the vampire where he goes out of town or a werewolf where he goes on a cruise ship or, or change it up in any way right. it's just another monster it's another monster on the loose but it's a very well written one and the mix of like Siska's character and like the uh that i mean that great scene where he's talking to that one guy um pepe uh, pepe larue who, yes yeah whose name is it pepe Morris shapiro Yes, and they're walking along. They're walking along the street, and they're talking about the um, the the moss monster. And then I didn't write down the name of the it's monster. It's the Paramount Yes, and there's just a wonderful moment. And it's really beautifully done where they're walking, and it's dark. And Carl is on the um, uh, they're walking along the sidewalk. Carl is sort of closer to the street, 
and Pepe is closer to the buildings they're passing, and Pepe is talking and talking, and the camera's going along with them, and then Pepe stops talking just for a second, and the camera goes along, and then you hear a little noise, Carl stops, and you realize Pepe isn't there anymore. Right. And it's really nicely done, because Pepe, where'd he go? And he's just disappeared. And it's all one shot. Yeah. And they're, they're just, they're just like, because we're following Carl, because he's, he's in front of us. And so we're watching, we're watching, and then all of a sudden it's like, where'd the other guy go? And it's, it's really a nicely done scene, and, and he got, he get, the monster pulls him into a, uh, like a warehouse or something like that. And trouble <laughs> ensues. But uh, the, 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 the episode is filled with a lot of great moments like that. The closing scene in the sewer. Uh, no, it's not. A, I'm hoping it's not a sewer because Carl goes under the water. Yes. Uh, um, it's just like a water drainage uh, thing or something. I hope it's not like, say, like the thing in Jason Takes Manhattan, you know, where they drain all the toxic waste from New York City it, 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 honestly, every it's night. Honestly, it's one of the biggest <laughs> sewers I've ever seen. It it is it's 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 yeah it's it's your classic like everyone can walk around in it sort of like French like the French sewers you know the, these huge things yeah. that's why and I hope it's not a sewer because Carl goes under the water several times and you don't want uh, you don't want that no uh, as someone who works uh, in the wastewater department I can tell you you do not <laughs> want to go underwater yes. you don't even want to be in there <laughs> at all. That's like I mean, what what can you catch immediately? Like oh, I don't know, dysentery, yeah, tetanus. What, what what do you catch? But hepatitis. Okay, yeah. You, that that's what makes me think it's maybe like a water drainage thing I, or I something so. like that. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. Because when he pops up out of the water, I thought, wow, bless Darren McGavin for really going for it right oh, there. Oh, I know. And then second, and then second, please don't let that be. Because when we see him in the opening and the closing, he's covered with mud yes. and dirt, <clears> and I'm thinking like. Please don't let that be what I think it is. <laughs> I'm hoping that's dirt. There's like no, there isn't a shot of like people like covering their noses, sitting some distance from him. So I'm hoping it's just mud and such. <laughs> but uh, it's, I mean, the the episode has everything you want. I think in an episode of Kolchak, it's scary, it's intriguing. Um, when you learn finally what it is and where it's coming from, yes, where it's manifested really cool. from, it's. I mean, it, it's you get this wonderful sort of um, bayou mythological monster mixed with a sort of um, Patrick. Patrick still lives, yes. you know the the movies from the late seventies kind of thing with a man who is is kind of in a permanent state of sleep manifesting this thing, and it's really it's it's actually almost more clever than it needs to be because it really could have just been like some guy like over like a like a a uh, little pot or something with like burning effigies or something going, you know, Paramount. Fa- what was it? It's Parafine? called the Paramount Yes, and come do my bidding. But instead, it's this wonderful. They keep cutting to this great, um, which looks a lot like the lab from Scream and Scream Again. This great metallic sort of space with this man sleeping, and he's been asleep for six weeks or something, and they're watching, and he's not dreaming. Yeah, he's not allowed to dream. And, and it's it's um it's 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 a it's a it's a fascinating clever idea and even the fact that like like at the end of it that even when they can kind of stop him from whatever it is they do to him in that that scene where um, Siska's in there and they're trying to wake him up that the 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 monster is now sort of almost corporeal on its own right it's taken on its and own so now, life, now yeah. yeah and it's it's been 
this guy's been so stuck in the the dreamless sleeping world that the monster is now really truly manifesting itself and wants to live and of course goes after Carl as all good monsters do that scene with Carl I love the scene in Car- uh, with Carl when he goes in the office and the guy's sweeping up oh yeah he's like what are you, what are you doing oh there's a leak in the roof and Carl sits down and discovers really what's happening is like what what's going on the monster was there oh yeah what? there's moss on it's, his desk Yes, he he reaches into his desk drawer and like pulls up a handful of moss, and he's like, "That's not the roof leaking. <laughs> this thing was this thing was here." It's 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 funny because uh, the the all the sort of quirky, strange characters who he talks to distracted me slightly the first time I watched it. Because you kind of get caught up in this rhythm of monster attack, funny scene, monster attack, and it goes back and forth. That um. That I, the second time was the time I really sort of caught fully what was happening. And that's not bad, though. That's why we own it on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, everyone, so we can watch it over and over again. <laughs> but um, I think I think yeah, it's, a, it's a sharply written, very nicely directed episode with a, with a fun monster. Just a fun moss monster. Aren't those great? I mean, how many of them attack Scooby-Doo and Shaggy? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like once a season, you know, they got attacked by those monsters. The first time I saw them, I was like, oh, wow, it's Man-Thing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, Richard Keel, back, back-to-back episodes. Uh, yes. And um, I, I have to bring up the fact that the doctor that's doing the experiment is Severn Darden, who's one of the founders of the Second City comedy troupe. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And he's great in it. He gives this he's really very funny. Yeah. Uh, laid-back performance, uh-huh. and he says something. Carl's talking to him, and he's like, well, you know, I've been trying to you know, conduct these experiments, and I've, I, I think I'm uh, – you know, the, the secret is to you know, not show emotion. And Carl's like, well, how's that working out for you? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then he's got the best line. It's like Siska's like, "Wake him up! I want this guy woken up now, or whatever." And he's like, "Well, I've already given him double the the dose of methamphetamine." Yes, yes. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Methamphetamine. Yeah. And that, yeah, that that's a crazy line. And then he follows that with a moment later, like, you know, I can't wake him up. And it's, yeah. it's like, wow, okay, you pumped him full of everything, and you can't wake him up. And then he dies right like now. 30 seconds later. <laughs> yes, yeah. You'd think he'd be held responsible for murder for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or at least malpractice yeah, you would of think. some sort. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, um, it's it's like they're in a giant, I don't know, like, um, oven or something, that, that set. You know, it's just all the metal walls, like in a big stove. Well, I, I love the fact that the first victim in the movie is killed because she accidentally like knocked a drink over on on the the uh, sleeping guy. Yeah, 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 she almost she may have woken him up. Yeah. So that triggers the monster to go after her to make sure she doesn't do that again. There's there's something very thorough about that that I like in a Spanish moss monster. <laughs> yeah. Uh this also has a, a nice little appearance by Virginia Gregg. Uh, who I love, it, 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 she that that woman yes. must have played more characters on the original Dragnet than anybody. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. she was in almost every single episode. You know, just Jack Webb loved his, his his actors. Yeah, he loved his ensemble. Yeah, and yeah. she's great. Uh, and, and she's working in the um, uh, what is it, the greenhouse? 
and uh, he where oh, yes, he finds yeah. out about the he's looking for gumwood because as we discover <sighs> you need to kill uh, the the paramount fae can be only killed with a a spear made of a gumwood bay yeah bay gum or, or yeah like and the yeah. thing that's funny about it is. When Carl impales him with the gumwood branch, it's the flimsiest looking branch. How yes. is that supposed to pierce anybody's flesh? I guess if it's made of moss and mud. I mean, if that's, that's it, I guess. Like, but I mean, he just kind of like yeah. pokes it. I guess, you know. Well, I guess like when people used to punch the man thing in the comic, their fists would always go yeah. into it, and then they burn. But. Um, uh, I guess yeah, it, it is a little tricky. You you, you kind of wish they had um. And, and, and again, maybe it could it be the high def? Did it look better when we were watching it on like VHS or, or DVD? I don't remember. Um, but I just, just watching it here, I thought, ooh, that's a that's a flimsy little stick. I did. If yeah. you were to if you were to if you were to tan the monsters behind, his behind wouldn't get too red. Yeah, it's if, if you, if you thin, get my drift, It's like so. a one inch thick branch that he just you know he sharpened. You see him sharpening the end of it. Um, yes. But I, I think that's one of those examples of you know. Older television where they just kind of expected you just go with it. Yes, you know? yeah, and 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 it's 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 funny because it, it did kind of strike me this time as being like, ooh, that's a little too flimsy. But then <clears throat> at the same moment, I thought, well, maybe if if that's that is what kills it, um, then maybe it doesn't need to be. You know, if if it if it's pushed into it or something, maybe it's like silver into a werewolf or, or something. It just or gold in a Cyberman. You yeah. know, it's just like it. It just like think I was thinking of what like the um, uh, Earthshock or Silver Nemesis and Doctor Who, where they're like crunching gold badges up against chests or or shooting gold coins yeah. at, at the the where They're clearly kind of goofing um, on the theory, and so I'm wondering if like it doesn't have to be a big stick. It simply has to be a stick, <laughs> and as long as you jab it into them, they're done. So that 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 was my thought on it. But but I think that that scene is so much fun in the in the sewer. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and with with Carl trying to get out, they, people keep parking over his manholes or covering his yeah. manholes back up. Yeah, and, there's a little continuity error there too, because uh, when you see him go down in the manhole, the manhole is in the middle of an intersection. And then yes. when you see yeah. the truck that backs over it and parks the tire on top, it's in an alleyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. I, I have to say, even though uh, Tony is not in this one as much, uh, no. but he does get a great line. To, uh, Carl got a picture of the Paramount Fay, right? Uh-huh. And he shows it to Tony. <laughs> Tony says, what, what is this? Salvador Dali's bar mitzvah picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Poor Tony. Poor Tony. <laughs> he, that's a great. He's. Is it? Yeah. He's trying to do. He's doing a speech yeah. for a club, and and as he's trying to um, captivate everyone in the office, Carl is just running around, he's clanking annoying him, bottles and whatever. Yes. Oh. Oh. Please, Tony. Please go ahead. Go yeah. right ahead. Don't mind me. <laughs> Don't mind me. Uh, it's um. Uh, so what else do you have on this one? I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a scan of me notes here. Um, the hippie guy. There's the guy playing. Uh, the that, fiddler guy. The fiddler guy. Uh, which I, I thought I, he I'm was trying... hilarious because he was like, "Oh, I'm trying to lay down a bullet here." It's like, yeah, because like lots of call for fiddling. Yeah, I, that, that was 
that that was weird because it was because um, yeah, I'm trying to think like 1974, 75 were those big fiddling years. <laughs> I don't because you 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 think when he says, okay, I'm going into the studio, I've got an hour of studio yeah. time. You think he'll be there with a band yeah. and maybe like a, it's like Charlie Daniels band or something like he's playing he's playing while the band is going, but it's just him standing there. Is that going to be that's the whole yeah, song? Yeah, like number one on the charts. Or, Number one of the, and it's like you hear that and think, boy, I guess I think maybe you've been outside playing too long, <laughs> maybe out in the sun too long. It's it's just such a strange thing. I mean, unless it's meant to be like, or meant to imagine that like maybe there's a backing track or something, yeah, something that he's like playing or something like that, because <laughs> it really looks like a guy is going to try to, you know, in the age of. I'm, I'm trying to think where we were musically. Like Led Zeppelin four, seven, and five. stuff like that. Pink. Led Zeppelin, we had your prog rock, your Pink Floyd, um, David Bowie. Oh. Um, soft rock <laughs> was slowly beginning to take over. You know, a few years from punk still. But but just to think that a guy would have a hit single, which is just three minutes of him playing the fiddle, <laughs> is uh, not... I mean, I was thinking, what is it... Um, the Hocus Pocus song "Focus" with all the flutes. Yeah. That was a huge hit, and that had a lot of flute yodeling in it. Sure. But just three minutes of. I don't. Um. I don't know. I honestly don't know. You know. Um. And and um. Oh. I I I will say this is not actually related to. That fiddling guy, <laughs> I do like the way he takes uh, Carl's money and runs with yes. it. That that's pretty good. Um, but one of my, fa- I don't know if it's in this episode, but the last couple episodes have used it. One of my favorite musical cues in the series is that one that begins with like the synth sounding violin. Do you oh, know, do you know is the that one the one? I mean? It's got like it's kind of got like the drum like. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorites too. Yeah, it's 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 got a really weird sort of sound to it i think i think the first time the first time i remember hearing it, it was probably on it before is when he leaves in devil's platform when he leaves the brandon building yes. after the he gets attacked by he strolls out and just right. his, and it sounds like it sounds like a synth oh yeah doing it's a violin stuff yeah yeah and it's it's really cool and then it gradually gets incorporated into a fuller score but it's a really great. Um, maybe it's this guy playing it. Maybe that's <laughs> the song he was doing. Maybe we're maybe meant to Gene think this fiddler. is his tune. Yeah, Gene the Fiddler. Um, so what else do you have on this uh, one? I think I'm almost not much. But the, uh, the the one thing I, I I think by this point, you know, we're up to episode nine here. Uh, oh. I I I think the strong suit. Uh, if you take out McGavin and Simon Oakland, who are obviously the the the, the core of the show. But I think the, the the real strong suit with the show is the um, supporting characters that come in. You know, obviously you got Updike yes, and, and Miss Emily, but you know, I mean, Keenan Wynn is fantastic. You know, Severin Darden's great. Uh, Johnny Silver is Peppy. He's there yes, for like five yeah. minutes, but he's great. Uh, they're really good at creating these individual little moments with these characters that most of the time are kind of funny, but sometimes, you know, they're a little more serious, like uh, mm-hmm. flashing back to like uh, like Wally Cox and the Night Strangler kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Or, or yeah. Margaret Hamilton. Um, they, they just were able to pick these, uh, these actors, whether it's because of their acting ability or their face 
or something mm-hmm. uh, that they could uh, have a nice little scene with uh, McGavin and make it work. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, like I said, I think this is one of the sharper scripts that we've had in the show. And um, I, w- I would almost say, like, if you were to um, uh, uh, show someone, like, if you showed someone, say, Night Stalker and maybe Night Strangler, or, or, or and then you, you might show them this episode, like, first or second or something. There's no real, you know, reason why Ripper would have to be the first one you show. Oh, yeah. Something you like show this any might be... Something like this, and and I mean the, the only thing with showing the Ripper is that I think they there's a little more like oh this is Updike and you know he, a bit more introduction to the the, uh, the uh, supporting characters, but I think I think once you know who Vincenzo is, you can pick up on everyone else fairly quickly. So I, yeah. I would almost love to see if if you like showed this to someone like first after the two TV movies because I think um I I could feel a real David Chase flavor. In the script, oh, definitely. And Darren, yeah. Darren McGavin is great. Gordon Hessler is doing, I think, a hell of a job. And um, overall, it's a really sharp uh, episode with a really fun monster. That I yeah, and, and and Hessler, you know, really does bring that experience of those uh, those old, uh, you know, AIP horror flicks. Yes, uh, and that works uh, to the show's advantage. I actually wish he directed more episodes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and then David Chase, you know, if you're a fan of The Sopranos, you know, you know that he's so masterful at the uh, taking a really dark uh, moment yes. and then have you know have throwing in like a humorous moment yeah. uh, that makes mm-hmm. you laugh and then you feel guilty about it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, okay, we have just brutally murdered uh, Ralph Cifaretto and like, you know, oops, and his uh-huh. toupee came off, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this is like that, but this is this is um 1974 network television version of yeah. that. So it's a little um but there is I mean there is a I mean people are getting their chests crushed left and right. Yeah. in this episode. And uh uh yeah, I just I have it playing now they just grabbed Pepe. And it's really nice because like Pepe's on the edge of frame, and you're looking at Carl, and then Pepe kind of falls behind for a second, and something on the very edge of the frame happens, but then it's gone, yeah. and then suddenly Pepe's not there. You're like, what? It's it's really, it's really nice. It works done. really well yeah. because he's so he's significantly shorter than McGavin, yes. so when he kind of fades, you know, into the background like that, you don't notice it. It's done in a very subtle way, and it's really well done. And, and like two seconds later, you realize he's yeah. gone. And that's the same thing with Carl. You're like, yeah, well, I, where, where'd the guy go? Yeah. What, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, so do you have anything else on this one? Uh, I don't. Okay. So let's, let's. Um, I think overall this is, I think this is a pretty fine episode of the show. I know, like you said, it's one of your favorites. It is. It is one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, I think because so many elements that make the show work are incorporated in it, and it just, it really yes. clicks, you, you know, the... You have the full uh, supporting cast. I think the only one you don't really you don't see is uh, Monique Marmelstein, but she's only in I think two episodes. Yeah. But um, and then, uh, the supporting cast is great. The monster's great. Uh, the yeah. director uh, is fantastic, and David Chase wrote it. Uh, you know, and you got Richard yeah. Keel as the monster. I mean, there's not much more you could want. Yeah, yeah. This is this is. This is this is excellent, uh, excellent cold check, and I'm hoping we got 11 episodes left. I'm hoping uh, um, uh, most of them, uh, you know, live up to this one or in the vicinity 
of this one. We'll see as we go. But uh, anyway, this is um, this is uh, yeah, that's that's the Spanish Moss murders. And uh, Tim, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me and my co-host Kelly Hogaboom on Beauty of the Beast and the Bees, a podcast about uh, genre film and B films. And uh, we're going to be talking about Halloween Kills, the polarizing sequel to the yes. 2018 Halloween. And uh, you can find us, you know, YouTube or not YouTube, uh, iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. And we have the uh, the usual Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds. And um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Thank you again, and uh, we are now going on and have a little bit of this. Episode 18. We don't have a lot left, everyone. Goddess of Destruction. This one has Doug McClure as Grover. Uh, Directed by Jerry Jameson. Written by Irving Pearlberg. The Pearlberg. February 21st, 1973. And this one, I'll keep this one very simple. But um, uh, uh, there is a young woman, uh, Indian, young Indian woman, whose grandfather, uncle, I forget who he is. He has a statue of Kali the god the god goddess um stolen um from him and uh grover and uh search or or probe um try to find out what's going on um john vernon is the um is the uh the husband boyfriend whatever fiance of the woman so uh grover begins to search out and as he as he begins to search what's going on why this uh, search of kelly was stolen they discover that might have something to do with the thugs or the thuggies who were an indian indian and cult from india and so he goes to india to hunt them down but he learns that oh boy everything is not what it seems i'll just leave it there Mitchell and I uh, will discuss it much better than I do in my rambling. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Let's see. Actually, let's see where Mitchell is because you remember the last time we left him, he and his wife were, were actually moving from one state to another state. Fort Wayne. They were moving outside of Fort Wayne, right? Indiana. Gosh, I get my eye states mixed up, but I think that's where he is right now. Let's listen. Listen to this, Goddess of Destruction. We got another um, C.R. Grover episode. Mister Doug McClure is back, and we also have with us Mister Mitchell Hadley. Mitchell, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Dan? I'm doing okay. Now it's it's ha- first off, Happy Thanksgiving. To happy you Thanksgiving yours. to you too. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to tell us where you are. But you're somewhere new, aren't you? Yes, we are. Um, I, I, I'll give you a big clue that we're back home again. Mm-hmm. Even though even though this was never home for us previously, but we are back home again. All right. 
See, so he's, and he's still that, loving out of boxes, but now those of things are going out of them instead of into them. Yes, yes, and I'm sure. Did you have one box labeled Thanksgiving when you moved, so you knew what to take out precisely, so you could we have had, a good? We had two, as a matter of fact. Oh, very so. nice, <laughs> very nice, very we've nice. Made a, we've made a very cursory effort at decorating for Thanksgiving, but oh, uh, cool. the real the, the the real fun is coming up soon. We won't. Even, oh, of course. We won't even have this place formally decorated until. After Christmas, we'll be putting the decorations <laughs> up, and then we'll figure out later on where yeah, everything goes. So. Yeah. <laughs> so let's so let's let's dive in. This is this is our first um, search chat in the new place. So I don't know if you're if you're thinking different, if you're on a different mindset, if you're you know being held hostage. If you are, make this noise. Hey. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, I'm um, in the alternate it, control room tonight. Yeah, yes, uh, you, yeah, he's in the he's in the alternate control, the yes. the alternate giant uh, balloon that he sits in. Um, what um, what's going on? No, what what did you think of the episode? <laughs> I I liked this episode. I'm uh, I, I like Doug McClure. I like Grover, but as a character, Grover is starting to grow on me. He's yeah. He's of all the probe agents, he's certainly the most unorthodox. He yeah. lives by his instincts more, I think, than the other two. He he gets to the same place, but he takes unorthodox paths. I think that perhaps he is one of the reasons why Burgess Meredith has a uh, a really bad rug now because I think he probably <laughs> tore some of his hair out in some of his other adventures. But um, this is this is a, this is another very intriguing episode with a, a really solid guest cast, yes. and you have this this mm, alien mysterious element with this. Uh, well, it's called a cult, but I think we don't understand cult the way it, the word yeah. used to be used. <clears throat> they are pronounced tugs, but they're spelled thugs. thugs yes. And believe me, the way that they um, behave, the thugs of India is is a better way to pronounce it. It'll keep yeah. it in mind. So this is this is the kind of an episode that I think you would have been perfectly comfortable watching one of those B movies in the 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 thirties oh, yeah, or forties, yeah. and that ran maybe seventy five minutes, and yes. um, you know, or 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 the kind of a plot that you would have seen in one of the Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes movies sure. that had been yeah. updated to modern times. Mm. It it has that vibe about it, and that's a a fun vibe. Yeah. And uh, you're seeing you're seeing Grover, who figures this out very quickly into the story. He latches onto this angle that that this cult may be behind the the theft of of this valuable piece of artwork and this um, murder of the person who had it and so that i think makes it gives it a gives it a fun element to see him working with this and to see the this this cast of people that he is working with trying to you know decide which one of them can he trust which one of them should he not trust who is out to get him is is it their client is it yeah. is it the 
the the the woman who's uh, was it her was it her grandfather or? The grandfather yeah yeah, yeah. Is, is she the one who's behind it is it is it john vernon who plays her in amarada well again as, as i said last uh time when we were talking about don gordon uh you know john vernon is always the bad guy except when he is yes <laughs> and you can never be sure Mm-hmm. with complete authority that this won't be one of the times that they try to get you leaning in that direction by casting him against type. Mm-hmm. But it does, ultimately, again, it doesn't really matter who is uh, behind it because you know two things. One, Grover will figure it out, and two, they'll try to kill him in the meantime. Yes, yeah. And so yeah. this episode does not disappoint on those no. scores. I um yeah I I enjoy the episode. I will say it's interesting of of the episodes if if so far if I had to say one that I did enjoy but if I had to say one that was like if you had to pick one where I was like eh, you might skip that one. It might be this one. Um not that I I really like it. I I really enjoy it, but there there's something it it, it reminded me in the structure of it. It reminded me of the um and this is going to kind of give something away, but I'm going to try not to. It reminds me of a, a more a more like modern day police procedural show, where they something happens, and then you meet the basic people involved, and then you kind of follow a certain path, and you're going one way, and you're going one way, but then in order to keep people guessing, you're like they keep twisting it and turning it, and then this thing you're going towards isn't it? And but but then you suddenly wind up back where you were, and then you're going over here. The show Elementary used to do that a lot. I enjoyed Elementary, but sometimes it got on my nerves because it you could you could you could feel the writers kind of doing like, okay, so this person is the one who did it, so we're gonna send him down this path, and they're gonna follow this for like twenty minutes. And they get to the end of it and be like, oh, no, that wasn't it. And then they're going to turn around and have to go back. And you'll be like, and you think like, well, wasn't it this person the first time you see them? You're like, oh, maybe it was. And it's, it's, um, it, it, it feels like very much, um, a very much, a uh, s- somewhat sort of, I guess I'm going to stick with elementary because that's what it reminded me of the way an elementary would do a story where it throws in all these different characters, all these different things, but, there's sort of one character that the moment you see them, you go, isn't that the bad guy? Mm-hmm. And then in the end, it is. No matter how much they throw at you, because there's a great bit in this involving sort of the, the thug, tug, tugs, um, where, I don't want to ruin it too much, but where they go to, where he's actually taken to see like the head guy. And it's a really kind of creepy, sort of weird scene. And, and I'm spoiler alert for the next 15 seconds. The outcome of the scene is the head guy goes, "Wasn't us," and that's it. And you, and so so you have this huge thing where it's like you gotta Grover, you gotta go to Bombay. And Grover's like, "Do I need to?" That's where it's all happening. And then you get to Bombay, and then you realize Grover was right. He didn't need to go to Bombay. All that stuff from the from the moment they go to India to the end. That's like all red herring. And that's not bad. It's fun, but at the but at the same time, um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. There was something about it where because I really like Grover, and I love like the scene where these two guys grab him to take him to see this really c- 
kind of creepy important guy where they like they know he's a probe agent you know and they kind of dismantle his stuff so you know they they can't you know he said give me a ring oh well it's the ring give me a ring no well it's my mother's ring give me the ring oh here's the ring here you go there you go and it's 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 a weird episode because I really like Grover in it and I mm-hmm. like the supporting cast but I don't again I'm almost wondering if um like I said with the last one if this wasn't a ser- if this wasn't a search episode because it begins doesn't it with Cameron showing up again at someone's apartment or something I'm trying or... trying to remember if yes yes because yes, the, the client he and Grover are both talking with the head of the museum who is the yes, expert yes, yes, on the yes. piece that had been stolen mm-hmm. yes so <clears throat> so I don't I, I think there, there's an episode of Ellery Queen which is a show I absolutely adore um, which is like it's um the oh crap I forget what it's called it's the like the it's not the Black Lodge that's Twin Peaks um, it's the um, the Black Pearl or something like that it involves like a winery and um uh, uh, like a club and a woman who cleans at the club and the black, I forget what it is, but it's, it's, it's a fun one and it's got a good mystery to it, but it also feels a little, um, too, um, it's, it's not one that knocks your socks off. Yeah. And yeah. I think to me, to me, this is sort of what this one is. I enjoy it. And, and previously watching it, not looking at it critically, I had a great time. Doug McClure's charming in it, and it's fun to watch him go. And it's fun to do a, see him do a little Columbo, where he's talking to John Vernon and his <laughs> an, and Jeanette Comer. Yes. I've never, uh-huh. never said her name out loud. Who's just lovely. She was. This was around the time she was killed by John Cassavetes in the Columbo, and around the time she was in the movie The Baby and Night of a Thousand Cats. And. Um, she and, and there's a moment where he's trying to ask her a question and John Vernon is okay Mr. Grover now's the time for you to leave okay you can go and you see Grover and they do the Columbo thing where the camera's in the foreground and she's sitting there and John Vernon is kind of there and in the background you see Grover open the door begin to step out and just turn and say one more thing more or less <laughs> Did he, would he have had any um, what is it raw sugar on him <laughs> no okay just yes, checking that was and then good. he leaves he does a lovely couple and it's it's weird because um and i guess that's sort of a columbo because you do get columbo episodes too where sometimes the story isn't quite up to what peter falk is giving it and i just think i like this one but i also think the fact that so much of it i mean i would say more than half of it is red herring mm-hmm. and that's like an astounding amount of red herring to me almost can there be too much red herring i don't know i can, i think I mean, there can because i think you're describing what that feels like that um you have you have something that is so predictable at heart and and, and you may realize it after the episode is over but there's something predictable enough about it that they are constantly trying to misdirect you to cover yes, it up to ask it. you to look yep. the wrong way Yes, look, yeah, look over here, look over there, it's this, it's that. And they, they lead you down this path with the, the tuggies or the thugs, and they, they bring this point. And like I said, it's so interesting that when they actually, and when he encounters him, and you're sitting there going, okay, where is this going? Because this, like, if this is like a huge cult that did this, what's Grover going to do? 
he he's by himself. He's by himself. There are two huge guys behind him. There's this kind of slightly crazy-looking fun guy in front of him. The place is probably filled with guards and things. What on earth is Grover going to do if this guy says, "Yes, it was us"? What are you going to do about it? He's dead. He's yeah. going to be he's going to be thrown in a pit of snakes or something. But just the fact that the guy looks at him and says, "No, it wasn't us." I feel like there's a there's a maybe there was another search or something I watched recently that involved like um like someone tracking down a gangster and getting to the gangster and the gangster basically looking at him and going like, "Sorry, that wasn't me." And suddenly you have to rethink everything. So it's like, so wait a minute. That is fun, though, kind of, that when you reach the big point there, the person you think is going to reveal everything says, sorry, it wasn't us, it was someone else. You so you have to be like, no, wait a minute. So you have to backtrack and go, actually, now that I've said that, I like it more. Well, I've been trying to figure out what this reminds me of as you've been describing it. And it is, it's, it's in... Christmas story when Ralphie gets the decoder ring and he finds out what that the message is be sure to drink yes. your Ovaltine <laughs> like son of a bitch and that's, <laughs> that, that's the thing you 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 get to the end and he said we you know we didn't do it and you're sitting there yes. thinking that's it after all this we didn't do it oh well excuse me <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly because I mean I I don't in 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 one respect, just sort of the brazenness of it is delightful. You you spend the whole you spend the whole episode, you know, researching the 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 thuggies, researching what they do, researching what's going on. You learn about the strangling, you learn about the, the raw sugar, you learn about all this, and then he's he's captured by these guys and they know exactly who he is, and they know exactly what to take from him so no one can monitor them. And it just builds and builds and then it's like, Nope, sorry man. Sorry, to talk to you later, and they just let him go, you know. And it's like, can I get my ring back? We'll mail it to you. Just yeah. go. There you go. I, I do. It's funny. The more I talk, this is one of those episodes that, like, when I when I watched it twice over the past couple of days, um, I was sort of like, this this one's okay, but um, but now that I'm talking about it, I like it more. I still don't know if it's. I don't would call it a favorite, but I like it more. As I'm talking about it, they can't um, all be home runs. Sometimes no, a solid no. double is fine. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. When you're making so many episodes, and uh, you you know you you're gonna have one that um, you're gonna have one or two or, or more that that don't uh, quite yeah hit it out of the park. But um, but it's I mean here it's never not entertaining. Exactly. It's it it's just um, it's just uh, I, yeah I guess at the end of the day I mean unless. Unless the whole point is, it's like, like if like reading a, there's, there's a great Ellery Queen novel, and I may have mentioned this before on this podcast. I forget the name of it. Where Ellery, a guy like gets killed in a mansion in the middle of like, uh, like that that small town that Ellery goes yes. to in the novels mm-hmm. that I forget the name of, um, and and he solves the murder. But he solves the murder, and they take the killer away, but it's like 30 pages from the end of the book. And so you're like, now wait a minute. Why are there 30 pages left? And then the last chapter, Ellery suddenly realizes something, because he had like 12 clues or something like that that solved, that, that brought him to the solution. But then he's like doing something, and he suddenly realizes that all 12 of those clues have different meanings, 
and when you follow the clues a different way, someone else is the killer. And then when you realize that, you realize that the person who's actually the killer put those 12 clues specifically because they lead to this other person who got taken away. So in the last, so the whole book has been like a giant red herring, and it isn't until the last 30 pages that, that, that Ellery's like, wait a minute. And he solves it. It's like you, you get a completely satisfying ending. Followed by another completely satisfying. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure I I know which one you're talking I think, about. I, I want to say it's Ten Days Wonder or something like that. That could, I could be making that title up. No, it's, it's no, something. that I I recognize that. I I would um I would look it up myself. Except of course it's still yeah, in, a box. in the boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting episode because um, I, I you know I hate to say um. Well, if you have to, if you have to pick one episode that's kind of not as good as the others, this might be that one. But however, the more I talk about it, the more I like it. So I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. Mitchell, what else do you have on this? I'm going to stop. There's a, there's one scene I wanted to mention, and it's the last thing I have listed here. But there's a scene where Grover is, or let's let's say someone who is being paid to look like Grover and take stunt chances um <laughs> is climbing down climbing down the side of of the building so that he can um avoid the people who are in the hallway waiting to trap him and he can catch the criminal and um i thought as as we were watching this i turned to my wife and i said you know I know that that's not Doug McClure doing this, but the construction of the building, the architecture of the building, and where the railings were on the uh, the balconies and things like that, this is a case where I can really believe that someone could climb down the side of this yes. building. And I thought that was that, that was very interesting because you get used to accepting these things kind of cynically that uh, that well of course you your probe agents have to go through some kind of training to climb down the sides of sheer yeah. glass buildings but yeah. this but this was one where you actually could see somebody doing that and that mm. that if you were running for your life or you were in a fire or something like that you might even be able to do it yourself Yes, I wouldn't try it, but you might be able to, <laughs> and and that uh, for some reason I just found that to be immensely refreshing, really yeah, grounded. Yeah, that's cool. No, yeah, I like I like the thought that um that they like the architect was a former stuntman. Yeah, you know, and he's like whenever whenever I decide to design the side of my building, I design it from the top down, and I, what I mean by that is I'm at the top and I climb down. And we're gonna have it all set up so I can move from space to space and things. And it's it's great. One one of the things I always love I love a movie where someone or something where someone goes down the side of a building or goes up the side of whether it's Harold Lloyd or Jackie Chan or someone else. You know, it's always fun to watch them use a building to climb on. I love it. I love it. I do. I used to do dumb stuff like that when I was a kid. I may be a little too old to do that now, but in my heart, I still can. Yes, and that's what's yes. important. Yes. Um, so I've got one more thing, and that is the interesting moment when they're talking about the thugs and the tuggies and the tugs, um, and they send it to Omega Unit or Omega Unit. Mm -hmm. and, and let's have Omega Unit look that up. And Omega Unit is a guy on camera who's not looking at the camera. Yeah. talks about the thugs. And I thought, so 
I feel like that guy would have been in the main control room. Or at the very, I, I, I agree with you. Why isn't he part of the regular group? Or at the very least, why isn't he looking at the camera? Yeah, where's he looking? Yeah, where's, I mean, it's like it's like it's like um, you know, it's like a, a you know a talk show parody where the guy keeps looking in the wrong camera. Yeah, we are know. No, we know here? where cameras yeah. are installed. They're installed in your monitor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if he's at his monitor looking all of this up. Why isn't he looking in the camera? I was Im- yes. I was impressed that they're bringing in more people. That's believable. Uh-huh. But you're right. He should have been in the main control room, and he should have been looking at the camera. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what, I, what, what I'll say about the Omega unit is this, and then I, I will wrap this one up. Um, uh, unless you have more. Do you have more oh, on this one? This is it. Oh, okay. All right. So so I will say maybe it's this. Maybe the main when they use the main control room that is truly the main control room and so everyone is there so you got someone from you know medical and you have someone who knows all the languages and you have someone from the omega unit if you're in the smaller control room there isn't enough space so you contact and and the omega unit has maybe like like an it department it's got like four or five people sitting there and you contact them and they tell you what you need you know, and it's stuff like, well, Steve's going to join us in the main control room today because Lockwood's going to Switzerland. You know, but it's like, uh, you know, um, Grover's after a statue, so we're just going to use the secondary control room, and we'll contact you guys if we need anything. And they're all on standby, and they can get to each other pretty quick. I don't know. I'm doing a lot of justifying over these past five or six episodes <laughs> for, the, uh, for the control room. We'll <laughs> see I'm how it case. stands up next week. I am going to keep doing that until the show's over. Um <laughs> So Mitchell, we're um, you don't have to tell us where we can find you online. I know you probably can't find your way out of the room you're in right now. <laughs> well, fortunately, I do have wireless, and my wireless oh, has led me to it's about TV.com, yes. where we're chatting about television, pop culture, American history, and um, old TV guides. <laughs> oh yes, wonderful, wonderful. So thank joints. you so much. Yes, and again, happy Thanksgiving to you, you and your wife, sir. And, and to um, you and your wife as well. Thank you, thank you. And um, next time we talk, uh, yeah, it'll be mid-December. We'll see. We'll 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 see how you're doing. We'll but see if you're uh, unpacked. Look like Christmas. Yeah, everywhere <laughs> you go. All right, so um, let's uh, let's go from here to there. Now, how did that episode smell? I thought that was a pretty good one. It smelled like turkey to me. A little bit of nutmeg, maybe a little bit of something nice, a little cranberry. What's cranberry smell like? A little bit of nice smells, I hope, in there. So that was Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. That was episode 117. Happy Thanksgiving to 2021, everyone. Because we have done several episodes over Thanksgiving in the past. And, um, eh, you know, we've had some... Some... uh, (laughs) recognition and some not it's crazy the way we record these things but anyways happy thanksgiving all welcome to the big holiday season i know we were halloween a couple weeks ago we'll be christmas in a couple episodes so that'll be awesome because i I, you know i love christmas so let us uh thank you chris thank you tim s turner and thank you mitchell i'm so glad mitchell made it into his home and i heard that actually chris was living there in a crawl space i'm kidding of course but it's a fun movie, nevertheless. I'd love to see that. Um, so, at eSuperTrain1 on Twitter, eventually SuperTrain on Facebook, eventually SuperTrain.blogspot.com. 
is the website uh, at Danny? Uh, what one of my Danny Slacks at yahoo.com If you want to email me or wherever you can find me, you can find me easily on Twitter and Facebook. There's no reason to seek me out elsewhere. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, next episode will put us into Christmas season. Will put us into a major holiday season for me. So I look forward to seeing you all uh, there and um, listen to this. We gather together to watch cheesy movies. Comedy Central on Thanksgiving Day. And Mystery Science. Theater 3000. It's 30 straight hours and it's called Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving.